Welcome to the MSEC Podcast, the official podcast of the Military Child Education Coalition. My name is Susan Sellers, and I will be your host for today. This episode was made possible thanks to the generous support from the North Country Spouses Club. Recently, the webinar team hosted Elizabeth Dale Dynas from the Smithsonian American Art Museum to discuss the variety of resources that have been created to incorporate artwork in assisting children with connecting with themselves. These activities are designed to help our kids to learn in a variety of areas such as identifying feelings and how we communicate with others. So, of course, I had to have her come on the show. Elizabeth, thank you so much for agreeing to chat with us. I'm really looking forward to it. Now, for our listeners that haven't seen the webinar just yet, would you share a bit more about the program and why the Smithsonian American Art Museum, or also lovingly known as SAM, decided to create these resources? To start off with, I work primarily with students and teachers, and so I have had my ears filled for years with um, all of the stories of the classroom and the things that children um, struggle with and are excited by. And that continued during the pandemic. Uh, I was hearing from teachers that their students were feeling really lonely and disconnected. And then I'm sure your listeners were also aware of the tremendous amount of news coverage of the mental health crisis that actually very young children were also facing. And in an effort to be a good neighbor to our um, our community here in Washington, D.C., um, we started to create print materials that we circulated throughout meal distribution sites and other places. And as they were received so enthusiastically by the community, we started to expand from academic-focused items to the items that we thought might help address the things that we were hearing from teachers and the media about that mental health crisis. I am not a medical person at all. I'm not a mental health care worker. So I realized that I was going to need some help. And we recruited playwrights, we recruited art therapists, and we recruited teachers across the country to review the materials that we created. And those materials connect journaling activities to objects from our collection. And um, some of the students who tried them out reported opportunities to um, think of things in new ways, and then also to get outside of the bubble or constraints that they were feeling under quarantine, which was really, really encouraging. Well, I think you bring up a really interesting point in that looking at our children, certainly we all recognize the isolation element from COVID itself, but that also sort of created a byproduct when these kids were returning to school. Um, Perhaps they were struggling with connecting with their peers because they didn't have that opportunity to socialize, to engage, um, you know, even to observe and start picking up nuances of, of what was going around them. And um, that certainly I can see would lead to a level of an anxiety of returning. You know, you're, you're in the safe environment with your family and now you're going back into the classroom. And for a lot of our kids, that certainly could have caused stress and the unknown of, of how to navigate that. 
So some of the activities that you shared within the webinar, I just found really fascinating. What would you say was the ultimate goal for the SEL toolkit? Mm, so we did two. The first one was focused primarily on identifying emotions and then deliberately seeking hope. So that one was created about a year into the pandemic and um, it was really endeavoring to help children name their emotions clearly so that they could work with them and then also be able to harness the power of having named their emotions in search of opportunities to look for hope because it was, we were just in a pretty dark place as humanity. <laughs> and then the second one is the one that you um, have described so beautifully as being a way to connect students with other people who don't live in their household, who don't have their shared same backgrounds, um, recognizing that at least for me as a wild introvert, being at home was really wonderful. Um, and then when I've had the opportunity to come back into the office or back to the grocery store or back to leading field trips in the museum, some of the um, social skills that I have learned very carefully over time had atrophied a good deal. And that's me at 42 years old, so I can only imagine how challenging it would be for students. And you use the word observe. Um, one of the things that I know has always been a challenge is helping students and all people of all ages distinguish between things they observe or see and their interpretation of those things. And so frequently, we are tempted to start telling a story as though it's observable fact. So, for instance, right now, Susan, you're looking at me and you're nodding and I notice that your eyes are um, focused on me and I notice you're smiling gently and I feel very encouraged. So the story I'm telling myself, my interpretation is that I should keep talking, but I don't see that. I see all of these little um, body language cues. And so helping students distinguish between what they see, I see raised shoulders, I see a furrowed brow, and oh, that must mean that person's mad at me. When in reality, maybe that person is just in a hurry, they need to go to the bathroom, something very simple, but taking an interpretation as fact instead of just one of the many stories we can tell is one of the things that we were endeavoring to to um, exercise in that second toolkit. You strike a chord with me because uh, I think all of us, all ages, children, adults, um, likewise, particularly with um, media and technology today, it's very easy to misinterpret um, either a message or a communication. And certainly I hadn't thought about that, but children, as you shared, you know, these are skills, these social skills. And for our kids that, had you know been at home at COVID, they really hadn't had that opportunity to develop them. So I appreciate that you guys tapped into those ideas so that the kids could start looking at things from somebody else's perspective. Now, in the webinar, you also discussed another strategy that I would love for you to share just a little bit about, and it was called de-rolling. And I had never heard of that before. Can you explain what is this concept and why it's so important for kids. 
I was so grateful. This is where I depended so much on the expertise of folks in my community. So one of the art therapists that we reached out to, um, whose name is Catherine, suggested the necessity of adding de-rolling strategies um, and offering a few of them after we had invited students to take another person's perspective. I hadn't heard of them either, Susan, so I was really grateful that she gave them to us. And the idea is that for a kid or any person who's been in a traumatic experience or has need of an activated nervous system, it can be really scary to try out somebody else's life. So it's for those of us with like free flowing imaginations, it feels kind of fun to be able to step into somebody else's shoes for just a minute. Maybe we look at an artwork and we pretend to be that person. And what would it feel like on our skin to be in that place? And what might we smell and what might we hear? And all of these things can be really innocuous for some folks and for other people who might find that really vulnerable or scary. The de-rolling strategies, it's R-O-L-I-N-G, as in though they have taken a role and they're taking it off now. And so it's mostly about getting back into your body. So for, um, for me, one of my favorites is just breathing or taking a sip of water. So it's like a reminder that we're back in our bodies. Um, it might be looking around in the world, around us reactivating our senses where we are right now, looking for three blue things. Or we might, um, now I'm kind of going off script, but I'm thinking of things that have been valuable for me. Tensing and releasing our muscles. So in, um, you know, holding your body really, really, really tight and then deliberately letting your face muscles loosen, letting your shoulder muscles loosen, your elbows, your hands, your stomach, your legs, your feet, so that you're re-entering your body in a pretty gentle way, but just also reminding your nervous system that you're not actually there wherever there is. You're actually here wherever that is. Well, I think when you shared that immediately, the words mindful exercises came to mind, um, you know, so often, again, for adults, for kids of all ages, you know, that anxiety can creep up, you know, the internal monologue that you have going in your head, whether it's a, a real dragon or a paper dragon, as we, we like to call them sometimes. But a lot of times we get caught up in that internal monologue and just taking that moment to recenter yourself, as you said, doing a breathing exercise or focusing on the muscles within the body. I can certainly see where a student would find this very beneficial in trying to regulate their emotions and making sure that they stay present and what's going on around them. And I also really appreciated that in the webinar, you walk participants through specific examples of some of the activities that we've been talking about. And we're gonna include a link in the show's notes for the webinar, because I really wanna encourage our listeners to watch it. It's so engaging. But for our listeners that want to have more information or want to check out other opportunities that SAMS offers, where should they go? What would you suggest? Thank you for asking and thank you for sharing the um, information. Um, we have a website of, of our own, of course, um, which is American Art 
.si.edu. There's no underscore or anything between American and art. Um, there's a section called learn from home and that was an addition when we were all at home. <laughs> so there's a bunch of stuff in there. In fact, there are some materials that are aimed particularly at parents or caregivers of young children. Um, so they're really focused on simple activities that you can do with a little. Um, and for me, that was really valuable because while I have been in education for a long time, I only have one child and I had not worked with children of her age before. So it was really valuable to have some activities that were very simple and age appropriate. In that same learn from home section, there are also both SEL toolkits. They're available in Spanish and English, and each one comes with a set of five artworks that are offered as provocations or points of focus. I mean, we've just got a million billion wonderful things, so I would encourage um, parents to come and check them out. I want to also shout out Castle, which is C-A-S-E-L dot org. That is a tremendous uh, resource for students, teachers, and parents on social emotional learning. And I relied quite heavily on their uh, framework, and you'll see why when you take a look. I have to say that as a parent of three children, particularly when they were younger, I was always grateful for any sort of tools or resources, activities that we could do from the home and making it simple enough that it wasn't overwhelming to me as a parent. So speaking of these resources, before we wrap up, I do have to ask you, what would you say was your favorite SAM activity for parents? I've done this one with parents of middle schoolers, and I've also done it with my own daughter, so I feel empowered in saying we have an activity that we do called Draw and Describe, and it's super fun because it kind of flips the script. So um, a parent and a child will pair up, and maybe you have even artworks in your house or you're in a place where you can see bus, a car, and three bicycles, or, you know, whatever. You can do this in your in your environment. You can do it in an art museum. You can look at postcards. Who knows? Make it up. Uh, the intention, though, is that one person can see, and the other person only sees their paper in front of them and is holding a pencil. So the person who can see is describing what they see to the person who cannot see it. And the person who cannot see it needs to draw just what they hear. And it's a really wonderful activity because if you go into it with a spirit of lightness, where every, like the whole point of our time together is just to connect and listen to each other, then it doesn't matter what ends up on the paper and in fact can be really fun. So what we, what we see in the galleries, for instance, is middle schoolers looking at these complex paintings and their parent is hunched over and listening so carefully and you know so attentively drawing on this piece of paper and the middle schooler is exercising the full breadth of their vocabulary um, and then they turn around and the parent looks at the artwork and the kid looks at the parents drawing and everybody kind of laughs because it's all very silly and it made me really delighted that we had been doing that for a while and feeling so successful. And then recently I saw um, a parenting tip where they suggested what's called special time and it's a non-directed time. So it's time where the parent 
does not give direction to the child, but rather lets the child lead the play. And the suggestion was just five minutes and that this is a way for um, parents to encourage communication with their children. And I thought, draw and describe, that's it, because it takes so little time, but it really is about letting the child lead, which was pretty neat. What a simple idea, but what a fun, practical way to connect, you know, I think doing this, I, I call it a game, I guess, but doing this activity, you know, I think could lead to other conversations. And I love how you highlighted the importance of special time. You know, as parents, we're constantly looking for ways to help our children to project them academically, um, you know, emotionally tapping into their mental health so that they can be the best citizens that they can be. But I also think it's also important just to take that time and let the kids lead what you do um, and just to enjoy that moment. So, Elizabeth, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show today to chat with us and to share some of these wonderful tools that Sam has created for families. Thank you, Susan. It's been really fun. We will definitely make sure to include in the show's notes links that were shared earlier today. As we wrap up, we'd like to thank the North Country Spouses Club for supporting today's episode. You've been listening to the MSEC podcast, the official podcast of the Military Child Education Coalition. Until next time, live a great story.